We're going to do something a little different today. It's actually becoming more and more common to do change-up things like this, but I want to give you a, a heads up. Get a pen in hand and maybe a piece of paper where you can write down a question that may have come up in your mind over the last few weeks because we're continuing in this sermon series, Spiritus Sanctus, uh, the Holy Spirit. Who is he? How does he minister? What's the scripture teach about him? And today, a specific question, how do I hear him? How do I develop an ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Uh, Questions must be coming up. And if they do, write the question down on that piece of paper because here's what we're going to do. We've reserved the last 10 to 15 minutes, depending on how verbose I am uh, in this awesome message. Um, We've reserved the last chunk of time for all three of the lead pastors to come up, sit on a bench, and we're going to have people roaming the aisles with microphones, and we want to hear your questions and respond to your questions. Not because we're the, you know, this is not the Marine Covenant's version of the answer man, We're all learning together, and it helps us understand how we're communicating. We always learn from your questions, and we can engage a little bit. So write the questions down, and four or five of us will have a chance to stand up and ask a question, at least get our best uh, shot at responding to them. Just want to give you a heads up that that's coming so that you can be thinking along those lines. I've mentioned before one of my seminary professors to whom I was really close my Greek professor, Dr. Paul Kaufman. And he had several sayings he used to offer. And I don't know that there are any left that I haven't already told you about. Um, but one of them that stayed with me, and he meant it to be lighthearted, and we, get, we giggled when he said it in Greek class. But since then, it's become uh, powerful and a little bit haunting to me. And it was, Oh, Holy Spirit, What sins have been committed in thy name? Then he was talking about how we were mishandling the Greek uh, language. But when I say that, if you've been around the church or acquainted with some version of Christian faith for any length of time, it's highly likely that the majority of us will have a little twinge of uh, that becomes a little bit relevant to us for different reasons. Because we have been sometimes wounded by or involved in even the extremes, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, especially when it comes to hearing the voice of God. And one of those extremes is the, I'll represent it by, uh, by this, the, the language that says, the Lord told me this, that thus saith the Lorders, that often, in fact, it seems to be too often, have a thus saith the Lord experience that they're supposed to somehow project on someone other than themselves. God gave me this word for you. Now here's the crazy part of it. God does give people words. There are gifts of the Holy Spirit where someone will have an insight and it's menace. It's, it's right. They'll come to you and they say, I've got this this thing in me and I need to share it with you. And oftentimes that's right, but sometimes it's not right. And sometimes it's hurt. The Lord spoke to me. And when they say, well, the Lord said this, the conversation's over. There's no more discernment. There's no more back and forth. Because who wants to say, yeah, well, tell the Lord to shut up. The other extreme is, I think, equally dangerous, at least equally dangerous. And that is the attempt that so many of us make because of our addiction 
to the Enlightenment, maybe, I don't know, to attempt to live the Christian life with no sense of or appreciation for the mystery of the fact that Christ has implanted his spirit in those who follow Christ, and he wants to speak to us, and he does. So I can just live the Christian life uh, scientifically. We do this, we do this, we do this, but there's no engagement with the mystery of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And that's an equally dangerous extreme. And the questions come up. How in the world, I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks. Excuse me, I'm about to cough, guys. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks. I believe that we'll talk more about gifts as we progress through our series. But I believe that there are people who have these miraculous gifts and they're really important and I've read about them, but I've seen the abuse of them and so I'm reluctant. But we, we want to hear from the Lord. And on the other hand, we know we need to hear from the Lord, but there's been some, re- we're, we're in the middle of a reaction. Look, it should all just be thought through. All I need is reason and boom, boom, boom. And we have these questions. If he speaks, how do I know it's his voice I'm hearing? So what we wanted to do today was take some time to actually actually think through how we know that. And the best we can do, and here's what our attempt will be today, it'll be kind of a fast-moving teaching with some time reserved on the end to engage around these teachings. What are some things that... I and we all have learned as pastors and as wise leaders in the church that could contribute to the answer of that question. How do we know the Lord is speaking? We believe the Holy Spirit speaks. We believe the Christian life is is thoughtful but also mysterious. How do we know it's the Holy Spirit's voice when we think we're hearing him? And here are some practices that we're convinced are biblical that might be of assistance Okay, and that's all I want to do. I want to run through some of them and uh, then see where we go from there. And here's the first one. I've learned this. <laughs> want to know if it's the Holy Spirit's voice you're actually hearing? How do you improve your ability to hear from the Spirit of God? Here's a very simple practice. Do what you're sure he is saying. Step one. Not sure what the Lord is saying? Want to know how to hear him more clearly? Be in the habit of doing what you're sure he is saying. Here's what I mean. We're sure that the Holy Spirit is saying things that Scripture teaches that Jesus taught, right? When there's a wound, when there's an offense, where there's a brokenness, when somebody hurt you, stole from you, whatever it might be, even though nobody's pretending it's easy or even immediate, we're absolutely certain that the will of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying something like, forgive them. Keep walking with them. Forgive. Yet it's so difficult to do that sometimes. And many of us live lives not practicing what we're sure the Holy Spirit is saying and then expecting to hear him say more something even more refined. Want to know how to improve your ability to hear the voice of the Spirit? Do practice what we're sure is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 81, listen to this. 
God speaking, but my people would not listen to me. I told them something very clearly. They would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. By the way, submit is a fully healthy, wonderful, beautiful biblical word that's repulsive to American evangelicalism and is certainly repulsive to our nation and the way we uh, think through things. My people would not listen to me. In other words, my people would not submit to me. They wouldn't do what it was clear I was saying. So I, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. So there's a, cor- and this isn't the only text, there are many of them, that say there's a correlation between our willingness to do what we're sure he's saying and our ability to hear and understand what he might be saying. Does that make sense to you? You want to improve your ability to hear the voice and recognize the voice of the Spirit of God? Do practice the things that you're sure are the voice of the Spirit of God. Second point. We'll offer this. Do what you're sure he's saying. And because he, not exclusively, but primarily, speaks through Scripture, know and be a serious student of Scripture. There, be aware, church, that there is a drift in the level of our value for the Bible and the way we value it. And the new hermeneutic, that is the art and science of interpretation, is this, something like this. New Testament trumps Old Testament. Not New Testament informs Old Testament. New Testament trumps Old Testament. And then Jesus trumps Paul. And then goodness and kindness basically trumps Jesus or explains Jesus. So that you get to the point where all there is about what Jesus is teaching us is, man, just be good and kind, live and let live. And there's certainly more to following Christ than that. As opposed to New Testament informing the Old Testament and Jesus helping us understand Paul. Be a serious student of scripture, which means value its clear absolutes and be humble enough to sometimes say, we're not quite sure what that text is saying. Let's gather in community and learn it together. Enjoy the study. But listen, gotta understand when the Bible speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks. So if we're gonna hear the Holy Spirit, it's gonna be helpful to be a good student of scripture. Sometimes we can say, yeah, I think What I'm hearing you say the Lord told you doesn't jive with Scripture and was pretty clearly taught there. It's it's painfully obvious to us as pastors that sometimes people come and say, hey, the Lord wants me to be happy, so the Holy Spirit has brought this into my life or wants me to go here and there or do this and that. And we realize that is so contrary to what's obviously taught in the Bible. Painfully obvious. So, want to hear the Spirit's voice more easily, more clearly? Do what you're sure he's saying. Know and be a student of Scripture. Be a tenacious studier studier of Scripture. And then kind of related to the first point, thirdly, do what you're sure he's saying. Stop doing things that make it harder to hear. When I was uh, in high school and college, I was in a band called Captain Trucker. It was a horn band. We did Chicago. We did some James Brown, we did Buddy Miles, we, did, we covered all kinds of stuff, and it was a pretty good band. And I played trumpet and valve trombone and sang a little bit. 
And I loved where I got to stand when we do gigs. We did a lot of gigs. I, I got to stand right near the bottoms and so that it was really loud because, man, I liked it loud. I like, you don't just hear music, you feel music. The bass should cause you to vibrate when you're standing on the stage. You know, you know head bobbing. You know? <laughs> and uh, my dad came to one of our gigs one time, stood in the back, plugged his ears, and he took me aside afterward, and I was thinking, Dad's going to say, you guys are right, you're pretty good. I mean, we rented all um, practice space. It was a serious band. We had a van and everything. My dad, I thought my dad was going to be proud of me and say, you're pretty good. So I, what'd you think, Dad? And he said, he said kid, you keep listening to music at that volume, and there's going to come a day when you're not able to hear it at all. <laughs> and today, I wear hearing aids. I'm going to tell you <laughs> And I still don't hear. Stop doing things that make it harder to hear. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 13. He's talking about in his time, the prophecy of Isaiah 6 is being fulfilled. Isaiah 6, where Isaiah comes in and sees the Lord and God says, hey, I've got some work to do in the people. Whom shall I send? And Isaiah looks around, sees nobody else there. And he says, here am I, Lord, send me. That's cool. That's a crescendo. We all get chills in our cheeks reading that text. Except that what follows is God says, okay, good, I'll send you. Go to a people, preach a gospel, and they will not hear it. They will not listen. You will fail completely in getting any kind of a response. Ready, go. And Jesus says, that prophecy is fulfilled in the people who are my contemporaries in Matthew 13. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never really perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, Jesus said. You cannot hear because you do things that make it harder for you to hear. Your heart becomes calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, they have closed their eyes, and then Jesus says this, otherwise, if they hadn't done that, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. One of the ways we learn to hear the Holy Spirit is by developing the practice of choosing not to do things that make it harder to hear the Holy Spirit. Things that cause our hearts to become calloused, this prolonged uh, dipping into things that are not healthy, not taught in Scripture, not good for us. They're not following Jesus kinds of things, not surrendered kinds of things. And when that happens, Scripture teaches that we get used to that happening and our hearts get hard and even hearing aids can't heal us. Do what you're sure he's saying if you want to hear more clearly. Know and be a student, a serious student of Scripture because when Scripture teach, speaks, the Spirit of God speaks. It's not the only place the Spirit of God speaks, but it's the primary place he speaks. And stop doing things that make it harder to hear. Fourth, I have two more. I love this one. Want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit more clearly? You know where to start? You might be surprised by this. Start with your ability to reason. Start with reason. Hmm, what do I know makes sense? What do I know is consistent with the way I'm wired? I have to make a decision, there are three options here. What's the Holy Spirit saying to me? Does he want me to go here or here or here? Do this or this or this? 
A good starting point is to say, well, how am I gifted? What does the wise community around me offer me in terms of insight? I'm going to make a decision based in reason because not always, but usually, the Spirit of God is going to ask you to do what seems to add up for the way you are wired. Not always. Sometimes he's going to ask you to do something that makes absolutely no sense. And your community is going to say, we don't know. That's just whacked, but we sense that it's right too. And in your heart, there's something tugging you. But those are challenging things to figure out. A good place to start in trying to figure out the voice of the Lord is reason. Think through it. And gather people around you to think through it. And I want to offer this caution. Uh, this is just art uh, that I, I think the Lord would offer this to. But uh, something I've seen is because of our culture's addiction to celebrity, sometimes Christians gather people around them and assign to them the title of wise counselor when really what they are is popular person. So be careful not to uh, confuse someone who's popular and a crowd gathers around them with someone who is wise, they're often not even known by anybody, but you see something in them, there's a depth to their river. And you go to them and they say, mm, here's what I see, here's what I think. And you walk together through that. But reason, start with reason, think through things. I mean, God wants to speak to us by means of the wires he played in, placed in us. Who created us as reasonable individuals? Who launched the gifts in us that are in us? Who built us so that we could think? Who taught us that if you put your hand in the flame and it burns, you probably should not put your hand in the flame the next time? That's reason. He built us that way. So why wouldn't the Holy Spirit speak to us through reason? Now, there's a danger in that. And that danger is, oh, good. I don't have to deal with mystery at all anymore. I just get to think my way through my faith, and that's all that's required. And that is not true. But it's mostly true. Start with reason. Now listen to how this works. Jeff brought, Pastor Jeff brought up this text in one of his, the previous messages in this series from Acts chapter 15, where new Christians are being born in uh, non-Jewish contexts, and the leaders of the Christ, new Christian church are trying to figure out, man, how do we make this work? Because we don't have the Jewishness that made it work for them, uh, uh, in them that made it work in us. How do we, what do we require? Do they become Jews first and get them all circumcised? And, which is not a good evangelistic plan, by the way, I want to tell you. That. Not going to grow a church that way. <laughs> Acts 15. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's the phrase I want you to focus on. Not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements, that you are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from drinking blood, and from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. And you will do well to avoid these things. Now, I don't want to go into what all that means and how that's relevant to us. Here's what's relevant for today. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You don't have to work real hard, I hope, to see the merging of human thoughtfulness of reason and the surrendering of that, or at least the partnership of that with the Holy Spirit. We thought about it. The Holy Spirit thought about it. We consulted with each other and it seemed 
good to the Holy Spirit in us. I also love this. The apostles are still owning the decision. There's also a little bit, there's almost a little bit of, of uh, you know, as far as we could tell, the Holy Spirit led us this way. Seems reasonable. And it seemed good to the Holy Spirit insofar as we uh, can be sure what the Holy Spirit said, but there's a little bit of certainty and humility mixed together in that decision. Reason and mystery met there. How do we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? I'm not going to give you an automatic formula, but I will say this. I know where you start. Start with reason. And with an open and humble heart, move forward from there. And finally this. How do we increase our ability to hear from the Holy Spirit? Here's a simple thought. Maybe the most profound of the five. Are you ready for this? Ask him. Oh God, who expects much of his church and calls Christians to move forward in wild expressions of love where everything is not always in perfect place and you're not writing stuff on the wall for us. We painted it up there, but the Holy Spirit didn't paint that except through us. What do I do when I really want to know what your will is and maximize your gifts in me and move forward and it's not super clear? Ask him. Do you think the Lord would say to someone who's his child from whom he hears a prayer like, God, this is really important and it's important to my heart that I'm on track with you and that I'm following you, that I'm letting you lead me and I want to go where you can use me to make a difference and bless you with the steps I take, but I don't know what to do next. I just depend upon you, but I don't know what to do. So if you give me the orders, man, I'll be right there. I'll be smashing it down. I'll be there, but I don't know what to do. Can you show me what you want me to do? Can you imagine God saying something like, can you, can you get a load of that, Holy Spirit and Son? Let's not, listen to that prayer. Let's not show them what we want them to do. Let's just let them be our entertainment today as they stumble through life and get it wrong. I can't imagine that, God. Now, he doesn't always make it easy. And there are verses that say things like, man, keep knocking and the door will be open. Keep seeking and you will find. Claw at it until you hear and feel his direction. But when we don't know what the Holy Spirit's voice is saying, how about this simple trick? Ask him. Lord, I can't tell. Can you be clear to me so that I can, we can enjoy this next step together? I mean, that's a practice all throughout Scripture. You have people like the wise and brilliant Solomon asking God, I've got this great task that, that much, it reaches way beyond my ability. Will you please guide me into your steps? And you have this in Psalms 25. The psalmist asking God to direct him. It says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths, guide me in your truth, and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. That's a good prayer for us to practice, by the way. Show me, show me your voice. I don't want to hear the voice of the thief. I want to hear the voice of the shepherd. You said my sheep will hear my voice, and I long to hear it. So just some help along the way, this question of how do we hear the Holy Spirit? Do what you're sure you are hearing. 
Be a serious student of scripture where we know that when scripture speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks. Stop doing things that harden your heart and make it harder to hear. Start with reason and ask him. But in all of that, remember, this is a mystery. And we should enjoy the mystery. Now, you've got some questions, I hope, and uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Ben and Pastor Jeff to come on up, and we've got 10 or 12 minutes that we can, uh, we can respond to those questions which, which you might have. And we've got people with roving microphones, so they'll come up and hand you the mic. Make sure you hold the mic nice and close as you ask the question. It's a little harder to hear up here than it is, oh, thanks, Jeff, uh, than it is out there. Uh, but who's going to be first? If you have a question that you've written down and you want to ask, or just one you just now thought of, just stand up and ask it, and we'll do our best to respond, uh, to, respond to it.